Hi guys, how's it going? <laughs> I'm doing good, thanks Miller. Um, <clears throat> Alright, so I hope you guys came tonight through those doors expectant for God to show up, yeah? Because <laughs> I'm not even kidding, I'm pretty sure he already has and he's just going to continue to work through us tonight. So be expectant. Here we go. I'm just going to pray if that's alright with you church. Is that me? It's the Holy Spirit. All right. <laughs> Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you that we can come here together, gather in a place where we are not persecuted, where we are not um, shamed for our faith. Lord, thank you that we can come and gather here today to seek you, to get to know you more, to get to know um, your character and who you are and what you want for us to be like, Lord, in a deeper level. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing over tonight. Holy Spirit, come touch us. Make our hearts open tonight. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So introductions are in order. Um, like I said, my name is Monique. And um, I have a little bit of something to share, a little fact about me, because that's what you normally do when you're at uni. Say your name and a fact about you. So my, um, uh, my thing that I wanted to share was actually... I feel comfortable sharing with you guys here because this is a place of acceptance, right? This is not a place of judgment, right? Right? Um, and if this resonates with you, if this is something that you're struggling with, please come to me afterwards and we can discuss this and we can stand together on this problem. I know I was talking to my mom about this and she says that this is something that affects her too. And it's really serious. And so I am here today and I'm not afraid to admit that I am addicted to the weather forecast app on my phone. <laughs> All right, I can sense that there are people in this room right now who are in the same seat as I am. <laughs> no, but seriously, I check that thing three to four times a day. I don't know why, I just, I can't help it. I get on my phone, I know what the weather looks like outside. That's the weird thing. I, I can see the weather outside, but I'm just checking my phone just to make sure Yep, yep, nope, full sun, full sun, they were right. Good job. Not going to write a strongly worded email to anybody. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't know why. I just really like it. I like the idea of knowing what to expect, what's going to happen in the next few days, what's going to happen on an hourly basis. Is it going to be sunny? Oh, I don't know. Very exciting. Very thrilling. Um, <laughs> and um, so some people may call me a little bit overly prepared, I'd say to you, all right, judgmental people, that I, <laughs> Caitlin's nodding already, come on. I say to you, all right, if we're on a trip and the next ice age comes, now listen, valid argument, if the next ice age comes, who's going to have her Kathmandu puffer jacket, her emergency silver foil blanket, three days worth of rations, seven Pinterest approved winter fashion outfits, that's right, yeah girl, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, no, but seriously, though, I, I, I was talking to my mom as well. She said, me too. I thought I was the only one. Me too. Uh, and, um, but the thing is, and I know not everyone here operates on the same way, the same wavelength as I do, um, but to some extent, right, we're all um, designed to have expectations for the future, to have expectations of what things are going to be like, even if it's just as simple as I'm going to wake up tomorrow. We have these expectations, and in fact, we were designed that way, because if you look at the brain, right, um, 
if you look at the mind, uh, we have this thing called a schema, and it's, it's a framework for how um, for what we think is going to happen in the future. Uh, psychologists call it a schema. We just call it expectations, layman's, layperson's term. But we have this schema for what the future is going to be like so that our brain can spend more energy on processing what's happening in the present. So it's our default to have expectations. So don't be afraid to have expectations. They can be good, but sometimes... Our expectations can be our limitations, all right? And so that's what I wanted to talk about today. And as you may have expected, we are going through Luke, the book of Luke. Um, We've been going through the book of Luke for the past several weeks um, because our church's theme is wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. Very good. And how can we be like Jesus unless we know what Jesus is like? So we go to the book of Luke, and we've moved past chapter 2. We're into chapter 3, so get your Bibles out. We're going to chapter 3, verse 21. Yeah, we skipped a a solid chunk. (laughs) Um, So Luke 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Okay, before we get into this, I want to give you guys a little bit of context, because you're probably thinking, who is all the people getting mapped, what's happening? Um, In the section that we kind of skipped, verses 1 to 20, that's all about John the Baptist and his story and how he was, he's this prophet, right, called John the Baptist, and he's going around preaching the coming of the Messiah. Now, the Messiah to the Israelites is this hero who was prophesied years, a very long time ago by several different prophets that he was going to come in and he was going to save everybody. So the people there all gathered, um, because they're, they're hearing this guy talking about the coming of the Messiah. He's finally coming. In fact, some of them even said, hey, John, are you the Messiah? And John's like, no, nah, man, no, I, I'm not even fit to tie his sandals, you know, to lace up his kicks, put on that Velcro, slide those Crocs on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, but I'm not even fit to touch his feet. I'm not the Messiah. And so all these people are there gathered because... They're frustrated with the current way of their culture. They're being oppressed by the Romans, and they want the Messiah to come in and shake things up a little, to wage war upon the Romans, to um, restore Israel to its rightful place, to reign as king over everything. This is what they want the Messiah to do. These people were fed up enough that they actually defied the will of their leaders, the Jewish leaders, because they didn't really like John either, to go out into the desert desert of all places, to listen to this guy talking about the coming of the Messiah. These people, I'm telling you, these people were getting stirred up. They were ready for a revolution. They were not doing what was expected, good little Israelite guy. They were not doing what was expected. They were ready for a revolution. Then enter Jesus stage left, my left, not yours. Um, Enter Jesus stage left. (laughs) Yeah, I know, it's the other way around. (laughs) Um, And he comes in, What does he do? He gets baptized. Now, let me tell you this. Okay, shock. You guys aren't shocked. I was shocked. 
Um, baptism to the Jews means a removal of uncleanliness, right? A washing away of sin. But the Bible tells us that Jesus had no sin. Zero. So what is he doing getting baptized? Even John himself in another gospel says, I should be the one, you should be the one baptizing me. So why am, why am I supposed to baptize you? And, but we know, we know that it's symbolic, right? Jesus was aligning himself with the sinner. He was doing what God's will was. He was doing it out of obedience to God, but he was also symbolically aligning himself with the sinner. He was being treated the way a sinner was being treated, washing away of sin, even though he had no sin. And it's a foreshadowing of what was to come, where he again on the cross takes the place of a sinner and pays this price that he didn't need to pay. And so what and so this is this is my thinking, right? Is I what happens a lot is we look at the Bible and we already know the ending, right? We know the ending, the main character he dies. Like we know how the ending goes. Spoiler alert, in case you haven't read the Bible. <laughs> um, and um but but we read this and we go, oh yeah, of course, of course, Jesus is coming to save the sinners. We already know this. The people there did not know this. They had no clue. They thought Messiah coming in, wiping out the enemies, restore Israel to its former glory. Like they did not think this way. And so what we need to do is kind of put ourselves in the Israelites position right now. Cause this guy, this Messiah, what is, what on earth is he doing? Um, Yet here stands Jesus, ready to be baptized by John. He was different to what people had thought was prophesied to come. He didn't come to wage war, but to bring peace. Didn't come to condemn, but to save. He didn't come to be glorified, but to humble himself and glorify God instead. He didn't come to raise himself up, but he came to raise us up with him. The Bible says that the heavens opened... And the Spirit rested upon him. And the Lord said, this is my son who I am well pleased. The heavens opened. This is important, guys. He didn't come to be raised up, but humbled himself so that heaven could come down. Jesus was unexpected. Unexpected. This is, oh, this is so crazy, guys. I just love how God works. So my first point, here we go. Number one, God is unexpected. God isn't who we expect. They expected a king and got a carpenter. They expected war and got a man who preached peace. They expected him to live, to live, and he died. Sometimes we think that God is a scary, judgmental king on a throne who's going to send us all to hell unless we behave. Jesus was the complete opposite of that. Now, I love how the Bible is basically a story of how people's perception of what God is like changes over time. It becomes clearer and clearer, century by century, author by author. They get a more complete picture of what God is like. And sometimes we're like that. We expect God to act a certain way, to be a certain way, and we get proven wrong again and again and again. And that's my second point, is that God doesn't work the way we expect Him to. He doesn't. He doesn't. If He did, He wouldn't be God. Like, if we could understand God, he wouldn't be God. And so sometimes the way God works doesn't make sense. 
Jesus didn't come to baptize John. He came to be baptized. He didn't come in a blaze of glory. He came in the form of a carpenter. Why? Because he had a bigger goal in mind. And I'm speaking to some of you in this room right now, and you're thinking, why, God? Why is this happening? Why aren't you showing up? This doesn't make sense. God has a bigger goal in mind. God has a bigger goal in mind for you. Verse 22, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. How did, God, how did Jesus achieve that bigger goal? He prayed. And the Hebrew word for prayer means to turn your face towards the Lord. Jesus sought God's will. He turned his face towards God. His eyes were fixed on God. And from God, he received affirmation of his identity. And then verse 23 says, then Jesus began his ministry. Then Jesus began to walk out his purpose. He turned his face towards God and started walking towards him. And out came his purpose. Out came his calling. Out came his ministry. I want to put this to you guys today. We cannot walk out our purpose in God without God. Like Sheridan said right now, your biggest calling is a calling that God gives you, right? That's paraphrasing, but close enough. Um, You cannot walk out that calling without God. You can't operate by yourself and without surrendering to His will. It's like trying to walk with somebody who keeps on going off on their own way, even though you know what the right direction is. That's how we are to God. And like Jesus, now we have a direct line to God. We've got the Holy Spirit. We can keep in line with God. We can get closer to Him. We can walk daily with Him, just as Jesus did. And like Steve McCracken said um, a few weeks ago, and this will get to my point, is that sometimes walking with God means you don't even know where your next step will land. That's what he said, not my words. He said that, and it's so, it's so true, because for me, what happened, um, I've, had, I've had a bit of a whirlwind of the past few months, um, about seven or eight months, where it's been a series of doors opening one by one, which is awesome, right? It sounds awesome on paper. It was not awesome in real life, because what happened was I got an opportunity at the university to study under one of the professors there, which sounded awesome. And I could totally, it was like I could see God in the doorway. And I thought, this is awesome. I see God's thumbprint on it. I'm going to walk straight into this. And I thought it was going to be easier on the other side. Don't judge me. I, I just thought it was going to be easier. And it turned out to be harder than I expected. Burnouts, breakdowns, the whole shebang. And then another door opened at the end of that semester. And it was a summer research program. And I thought, Great. Slow learner, I thought it would be easier on the other side. At least I thought it would be easier than what I'd gone through. I was completely wrong again. How does this work? How did, This doesn't make sense, God. I thought it's supposed to be easier with you on the other side. But life is not easier with God. It's just better. And so as I stepped through that door and I went through the summer... And then I stepped through another door into the new program that I'm, um, my postgrad that I'm doing this year at the university. I realized, oh my goodness, everything that I've gone through, all those breakdowns and um, burnouts and lack of sleep, lack of a social life, all of that, really first world problems, but all of that has prepared me for what I'm stepping into now. I look at the people surrounding me in the program and I see 
I, I, I could have been that if I hadn't gone through all that troubles. I saw that, I realized how much God had used all of that to prepare me for now. Faith is stepping through the door into the unknown because God is there. And I always thought of myself as, oh, I'm not, like, faith is not really my strength. I'm more of like a, I'm emotions. I love God. He's so cool. But (laughs) I realized, as I look back, I, I realized just recently, I was like, oh, my goodness. That was faith. That was what faith looks like. So if you are like me, trust me, you can do it too. Seriously, I'm not even kidding. Faith is stepping through a door because you know God is going to be there. Not because of the end goal, not because of what you think is going to happen, but just because God is there. Romans 8 verse 28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes the way God works doesn't make sense, but he is good. And I know this because I've gone through dark points in my life um, and he's taken me out of them and he's fixed me in my brokenness. And he's taken me, not necessarily out of those situations, but he's taken me in his hand and he's mended me and he's been by my side regardless of what happens, regardless of my external situation. He was there. That, that is what God is. Sometimes he doesn't fix your outside situation, but he fixes what's in here. That he promises to you. And he promises as well, his promise in the Bible, what you are going through will be used for good. Promise you that. And I, okay, I always want to know everything. I want to know what to expect. All the details, my job, my future family, everything that's going to happen in my future. But, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one here, But if we know what we're going to expect, how is that faith? We need to be walking the journey, not for the end goal, but for delighting with God through it all. Because relationship happens, not at the destination, but during the journey. Relationship happens during the journey, not at the destination. I will say that in hundreds of different ways, but relationship happens during the journey. This is the important thing. And so we know that God isn't who we expect. We know that he doesn't operate the way that we expect him to. And A plus B equals C. Because of that, we shouldn't be who the world expects us to be. This is a little bit challenging. Right? Okay, how does the world see Christians? As a whole, if they don't know you personally, each of these people in this room, how do they think of Christians? What do they think Christians are like? Yeah. Yeah, well, unless they know all of you, I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying as a whole, because of the um, outliers, the the, the little bit weird ones, (laughs) they tend to see, they tend to be afraid of coming to church because they think they're going to get judged, because they think that they're going to get condemned for what happened. But we need to not be how the world expects us to be. We need to be responding to hatred with love. We need to be responding to insult with forgiveness. We need to be complete opposite of what the world thinks we are. And also, hello, how the world operates itself. We can't be hypocrites and condemn people for doing something and we do the exact same thing, right? We need to be not conforming to the pattern of the world, but counter cultural. 
to operate against the nature of the world, to be different like Jesus was, to be revolutionary. Each and every single one of you right now, you can be revolutionaries. You can be different. You can be unexpected. Surprise people. Do it this week. Surprise people with the way that Christianity is supposed to be lived out, counter to the way that the world works. How do we do that, though? Because it's, it's all well and good to be saying all these big statements, but how exactly do we do this? It's in this chapter, right? Jesus operated out of the Spirit, out of relationship with God. So we need to operate out of relationship, out of Spirit, out of faith. Life is not easy with God, like I said, but it is better. He gives us meaning. He gives us peace. He gives us comfort in times of trouble. He says, I will be there no matter what. He hems me in behind and before. His hand is always upon me, right? He is always there through thick and thin, no matter what you are going through right now in this very room. He sees it and he is there and he gives meaning to what you're going through. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 to 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. There is purpose to your pain. There is purpose to your trials. And we may not see it and it may not make sense and it may be frustrating and we cry out to God, God, why aren't you here? Why aren't you fixing the situation? It's broken, families, relationships, um, health. And, and we are sitting here and we've got broken bodies and broken relationships and everyone's got something that they're crying out to God saying, God, why are you not here? It makes no sense. But we need to realize that it's, not about what's the external environment. It's about who God is, right? Do you trust that He is good? I can tell you that He is good. But I can tell you that so many times, it's, my faith is not going to be your faith, right? I love my God, but my love for God cannot be your love for God, right? It's, it's each and every single person has an individual relationship with our Father, and each and every single person is walking a very different journey to the person sitting next to them. We want God to fix things, and we want Him to do things, and we want Him to show up. But if you pray, and all you do is rattle off a list of things that you want God to do, where is the relationship? If all you do is ask God to come into your life and do what you want him to do. Where is the relationship? Sometimes, okay, sometimes we ask God to bless things and we walk, okay, sometimes we walk headlong into things without knowing that it's not the right thing and we ask God to bless it, right? Sometimes we walk headlong into things and we're like, God, bless it, please. Thank you. Like, we walk headlong into these things relationships. Everyone look forward. Don't look to your left and right. Relationships. Some of us have walked into relationships knowing, knowing that it was not the right thing. They didn't even ask for direction. Okay, I'll admit, has happened. <laughs> we walk headlong into these things and we call over our shoulder, God, bless it, please. 
And God's like, how can I bless something that I am not even present in? And we get surprised when it doesn't work out. God only blesses the situations that he is in, that he is present. And so if we walk outside of his will, how can he pour his blessing into something that is outside of his will? Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It essentially means fix your eyes on him, be in relationship with him, and he'll sort out the rest. Don't try and take it into your own hands. Don't try and fix the situation yourself. Fix your eyes on God. Be in relationship with Him. He will sort it out. But do you believe that? Or are we all just ready to go and do what we expect needs to happen? We'll take it into our own hands. We'll be like, I'll be God for now. Let me sort this situation out. I expect it to be this way. It's not being this way. God, you're not turning up, so I'm going to make things into the future that I want it to be. And God's like, but my plan is far bigger than you could ask, think, or imagine. And you want that? You want that little plan right there? Uh-uh. I, I mean, I'll leave you to it. Go for it if you want. It's free will and all that. But if you walk in line with me, if you delight in me, your heart will align with my heart Your desires will align with my desires. Your will will align with my will. And that, that is where I can bless. That is where I am. And that is a sweet spot where faith happens, where relationship happens, where the unexpected happens, where miracles happen. Everyone thought God was going to fix everything. Instead, God came to fix the relationship. Everyone thought God was going to come in and just sweep all the enemies of Israel away. Everyone thought God was going to come in and do this, this, and this. And they had all these earthly ideas of what God was going to be like. And God just came in. And His plan was so much bigger than that. But it didn't look like that to the Israelites because their point of view was skewed. They were looking at things from the ground up and God was looking at things from the, from the heavens down. He was going to bring heaven down. But would he have brought heaven down if he'd just done what the Israelites expected? God's plan was always, always, always from the beginning of time to reconcile man with God. His primary desire is to fix our broken relationship with Him. So much bigger than just fixing our earthly situations, our earthly bodies, our earthly problems. So understanding that God doesn't work the way that we expect Him to work, the way we want Him to work, understanding that allows us to trust His character and who He is rather than what He can do for us. It allows us to walk in the unexpected to turn to your neighbor out in the workplace and when they say something nasty to you, respond out of love, out of kindness, because it's not your love and your kindness. It's God's love and God's kindness that comes through you. The closer you walk to Jesus, the more you become like Jesus. The more you're happier with the unexpected happening, the more you're happier with leaving this place with questions unanswered. Because God sometimes doesn't answer our questions, but He comes in for a relationship and He wants to show up in your life right now. 
That's, that, that was his goal right from the beginning. And we've all gone through broken relationships, broken relationships with our parents, with our um, spouses or whatever is happening in your life right now. But God says, that's not the kind of relationship I give to you. I give you more than that. I give you perfect love beyond what you could ever imagine. And you've come in here broken and you've come in here searching and you want answers and you want this and this and this to happen in your life. And I see that. And I see your pain, but I want more than that. I want relationship with you. That's all I want. Can we be unexpected, church? Can we be unexpected in our nation, in our communities, in our workplace, with our friends, with our families? Can we be unexpected? Can we believe that God will do the unexpected? So we're going to pray. So everyone, bow your heads. Lord, you are so good. You are so good to us. You are beyond what we could ever imagine. And sometimes it doesn't make sense and sometimes something is broken in our life and we want you to fix it and we want you to show up and we've been waiting for you to show up for a while and we just can't understand what's what's happening. Why is this not Why is this not what I want it to be? Lord, help us now to understand that you have come here not for our earthly problems, although you will fix that too in your own timing, but God, you have come first and foremost to be in relationship with us, to have us walk alongside you, to have us trust in you and surrender to you. So Lord, I pray tonight that people will begin to surrender will begin to offer up those situations that they've been holding on so tightly, those expectations that they've been holding on so tightly. God, help us to release, to let go of that and to just trust in You, to fix our eyes on You.